Hi, Christine, and hello, everyone listening. This is Josh Fitt from the Center for New American Security, and I'm here with my Asia-Pacific Security Program colleague, Christine Lee. Um, the 75th session of the UN General Assembly recently concluded, so we're here to talk about China and the United Nations. Now, Christine, you planted a flag in this issue back in May of 2019 with your CNES report with Alex Sullivan, People's Republic of the United Nations. Um, but since then, you've testified before the USCC, and you recently published your second piece in foreign affairs on the topic called The United States Can't Quit on the UN. So thinking back over the course of your closely following this topic, what has changed and what have some of the major trends been? Well, first of all, thanks, Josh. Um, it's great to be in conversation with you today about China's approach to the UN. Um, I think my primary takeaway from looking at these issues over the past couple of years is that China has been much more strategic about the way that it engages with the UN in comparison to the United States, even though its financial contributions pale in comparison to, to what the United States contributes. You know, it's it's mapped out strategically important specialized agency elections and done the diplomatic legwork to get Chinese officials elected to these positions. It's also um, very uh, strategically positioned itself as a champion of developing countries and used Belt and Road financing to, to win votes and support for its policy positions in the UN General Assembly. Um, and so in sum, it's been able to, um, with you know, very successfully push forward its policy positions across UN agencies. Not definitely. And sort of one of the trends that I've been following and is troubling to me is this trend of the U.S. quitting different UN agencies. Um, and so obviously, you know, this year the U.S. announced that it would be leaving the WHO effective of July next year. Um, but that's far from the first time this has happened. Um, you know, maybe it's the first time Washington has left an agency because of China directly, but two prominent other examples are uh, the U.S. departure from the UNHRC and UNESCO. Um, in both cases, regardless of the catalyst, uh, once the U.S. was out, just like you said, you know, China moved very quickly um, to use those bodies to, for strategic means um, to silence criticism of Beijing's treatment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang, or to generate positivity and endorsements for Belt and Road. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that. Is this idea of leaving UN agencies, is it ever a good idea? Um, is it a case of the reasons are justified, but the response is wrong? I mean, you, you quote in your foreign affairs piece, some, some American politicians voicing their gripes about funding this organization or these org organizations with taxpayer money. People do have this question of what's in it for us. Sure, it's an important question. Um, I think one of the most challenging aspects of the way in which the United States engages with the UN is that, you know, the debates have been framed as a, a sort of bi a false binary or false choice between either, you know, withdrawing completely from agencies that don't support its interests or simply, you know, throwing money at them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that there needs to be a middle ground and a more calibrated approach in which, you know, it could restore, for example, in the World Health Organization, a portion of its past funding. Um, and then over the course of several years, commit to incrementally increasing this amount if the agency complies with uh, certain American conditions, um, like restoring Taiwan's participation in the World Health Assembly, 
or hiring more Americans to, to fill the agency's management positions. Um, and so I think there are ways to transparently, transparently negotiate these incentive structures um, in ways that support American interests in these agencies. You make great points, uh, but that brings me to this this question that I think is on a lot of people's minds. Um, you talk about strategic funding, management positions in these organizations, um, incentives. I want to make sure we can address this before we have to go, but uh, it's this question of the moral equivalency. So thinking about promoting U.S. values at the U.N., whether it's saying, you know, we ought to have a bigger say because we contribute X percent of the budget um, or something like that. Uh, you know, why is that different from what we're calling China out from doing right now? What's what's really the problem there? Absolutely. So I think that it's important to note Chinese leadership in the UN isn't inherently bad. You know, in, in mm -hmm. many ways, um, China certainly deserves a greater voice on the international stage that's commensurate with its position as a, a major uh, rising power. I think what's problematic is that when Chinese officials head up these UN agencies, they oftentimes report back first and foremost to the Chinese Communist Party, rather than truly supporting multilateralism and, and strengthening the transparency and accountability of the UN system. Um, and so I think that you know China needs to use its influence in the UN um, to support um, the, the values of the UN system rather than advance its vision of a more authoritarian world order. Awesome. Well, this conversation clearly warrants greater discussion, but that's all the time we have. Um, fantastic, as always, to speak with you. I'm so glad we could take this opportunity to chat, Christine. Great to speak with you too, Josh.